What's going on, guys? In today's Trophy Kids, we got an awesome show for you. We're getting an update on the Michigan State football situation and who they might hire. We're talking National Signing Day in college football, NBA trade talk, Woj was dropping some bombs, Mookie Betts on his way out of Boston, and we're giving an update on college basketball. So let's go. Uh, we're doing we're doing better than we were, which is a good news. Yeah, maybe. Well, it yes. on if certain things about. happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I'm I'm contingently doing much better. There we go. All right, that's fair. Let's set the stage first before we get into it, in case people have not been tuned in or dialed into college football world news as of this moment, or didn't listen to Wednesday's pod. Which shame on you, people. Make sure to download and subscribe. All right, let's set the stage. Michigan State has a, I would put him in a legendary coach for Michigan State and an important coach in the landscape of college football. Notable coach, Mark D'Antonio. Just called it quits on Tuesday. This comes after he's won at Michigan State 114 games. He's made 12 bowl appearances with Michigan State. He's won three Big Ten titles there. The timing of this could not be funnier or more concerning. Comes 20 days after getting a 4.3 non-refundable bonus, hours after Curtis Blackman accuses them Blackwell. of committing and Blackwell, sorry. Did I say Black Blackman. Blackwell. Yep, Blackwell. NCA violations and the day before the signing National Signing Day. How are we feeling today now? Let, let me let me respond to that real quick because some of those things are ridiculous. So Mark D'Antonio earned that $4.3 million bonus back after he went to the college football playoff, I believe. It might have been the Rose Bowl, but that was signed into his contract a while ago. He was getting that bonus regardless, and to me that bonus means nothing. He did. It was a retention bonus. If he didn't, it would have been paid out to him some other way. I don't really care about that. That's not a big issue at all, in my mind at least. Um, And then the Curtis Blackwell thing real quick. Those recruiting violations in that article were, one, hiring recruits' parents. Cody White's dad got hired. He was the interim general manager of the Detroit Lions when he got hired by the Michigan State Spartans. Yes, his son went there. Now, the other one is he took Curtis Blackwell, an assistant, to recruiting visits with him to a recruit's house. If those are the things that you're worried about for recruiting violations, I got some serious news for you. There's no bag man. There's no money being illegally exchanged. There's no one paying for a house or a car. These are the most minor violations, even if they did happen. Um, And I mean, according to D'Antonio's team or the lawyers, he sat in a car. Even if he did come in the house and meet the recruit, and even if the recruit is willing to testify that he did, these would be slap on the wrist violations at best. Okay. I was going to say, as we were talking on Tuesday, because I was not aware of what the violations were yet, our fellow Trophy Kids brother, Michael, pointed out this feels very much like a Pete Carroll situation as far as let me leave the dumpster fire before it catches. Um so we're yeah. feeling okay about the violations. So you don't it, did, much- it did and it didn't feel like a Pete Carroll runaway. At first it kind of did, and then as you heard more and more about it, it kind of feels like Mark Antonio just got exhausted and and was done with it. Yeah. Um, 
from what it felt like to me and what I heard another uh, reporter up here talk about is Graham Couch. He kind of detailed out the scenario that he thought made sense in his head, and it kind of makes perfect sense in my head too, where D'Antonio went into this season, this past season, assuming it was going to be his last season. He had kind of a good team. He was going to ride off into the sunset, win a good win a good amount of games, have a good year, call it quits, be good. Then things went haywire during the season because he refused to change his offense, and he still had an influence on his offense. I don't care if he changed his offensive coordinator. It didn't really matter because he still wanted to run the ball a certain amount of times. He still wanted to play with a certain pace the entire game. Whether he went no huddle or not, there was another guy up, uh, up at Michigan State who follows them who detailed out that they wanted to become more up-tempo. And now don't quote me exactly on this number, but I believe he said that MSU's average time before the snap in 2018 was 25.9 seconds. When they went more up-tempo in 2019 was 25.9 seconds, yeah. even with the no huddle. So he didn't make changes. He still had a huge influence on the offense. So things went downhill, and it was still on him. So I still put the blame on him for that. But then as he goes through the season, he's probably more invigorated to come back and show people wrong because he's stubborn. He always has been stubborn. And then as he's sitting in recruits' living rooms in January trying to recruit a kid for 2021 – and he knows damn well he's not going to be there in 2021 when that kid shows up. That's where things kind of went haywire, and that's kind of where I believe, as well as how Graham Couch spoke about it, believe that things fell apart for him and he wanted to retire. For me, it probably is a little bit of that, but honestly, we saw some rumors about boosters actually speaking up. I think this has more to do with, someone big somewhere saying we're going to pull some money if something doesn't change. I think we can't overlook the uh, powers that be at MSU um, for this. Now, I don't have anything back that up. It's just rampant speculation, but (laughs) if you don't think money influences these things, you probably should stop watching college sports. I wouldn't be surprised about that either because it was news that came out. I mean, the speculation was right after there was rumors that he was bringing his entire staff back and there weren't going to be any changes. So those rumors got released in early January. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when. When you were rattling off those accomplishments of uh, Coach D, you forgot that he went eight and five against Michigan. That's the most important thing. Also (laughs) true. I I, I, I apologize. I did miss that. That is true. That is fair. (laughs) Not little brother. So, don't forget that. Yeah. All right. Well, then with this, with all that said, if there isn't much to the violations, if there isn't much to the or there's more of a tired, didn't want to do it kind of mentality, how do you feel all how do you feel about him then? Because he puts Michigan State in quite possibly the worst position they could be in because it's the day before signing day. He leaves. You now have to start your coaching hire. Anybody who's going to commit to Michigan State is now fearful about it. Any coach who might want to come, which we are going to get to, potential coaches there here in a moment, that might want to commit now has to deal with 
anytime they're rumored in there, their commitments that are trying to sign, the guys that they're trying to sign, not being able to do it. Like this very much, if there isn't much to the recruiting violations, and he isn't pulling a Pete Carroll, getting out before the kind of the dumpster fire starts because he knows there's something big. Mm-hmm. Do we still feel okay with Dan Antonio because he does put them at least temporarily in a very bad spot? Yeah. I, so let let me back up here. I don't want to say I don't want the audience to get the impression that I don't think Dan Antonio uh, is not leaving because something is coming down the pipeline from these violations. I do think that it's still on the table. Um, there might be a bombshell that we don't know about, or maybe he just didn't want to deal with the legalness all that. Because I couldn't imagine trying to run a football team and have to go to court and be deposed and all that stuff. With that said, I think every Michigan State fan, unless you're like a super, super fan, already thought that the 2020 season was a wash. So I I don't – yes, it's bad for a coach. And, yeah, yeah, it looks bad. But, honestly, I'm not expecting much from the 2020 season. Because I'm thinking if if you know you're going to not coach next year, why not just get out in December? Why wait until uh-huh. literally the day before National Signing Day? Yeah, well, true. Or get out 20 days ago as soon as you yeah. hit the bonus. That's true. Why wait until literally the day before Signing Day to call peace out? I don't know. I I mean, it's not a good look on Coach D'Antonio. Uh, but at the end of the day, for me personally, I was so tired of his stuff for the past two years now that I didn't really care. I kind of just wanted him gone. It's not great that he's doing it the way he's doing it and the timing of it, but at the end of the day, he's retired, so I'm okay with that. Well, okay. he's not retired. He just stepped down from the football team. He will <laughs> be at <laughs> Yeah. He could, right. be, he could be coached somewhere else, which would be a true Pete Carroll move. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I think he'll be No, there. he won't be. Yeah. He'll be I, there until they put him in the ground. No, he's he's going to be like Barry Alvarez right now. So I just hope he doesn't come back down. Or Dan comes <laughs> and becomes the uh, athletic director in a few years. Yeah. The bear, the uh, what's his face? Alvarez move. Uh, yeah. But Wisconsin. Um. All right, let's talk about it then. Replacements. I yes. said on Tuesday when we recorded on Tuesday, the news had broken that day. My First initial thought right away, Luke Fickle down at UC makes perfect sense. Yep. There's a couple other guys I think, but right off the bat said Luke Fickle is the guy to get if you can get him. And that I think is going to be tough to pry him away from UC for some of the reasons I just mentioned. It's really bad timing. There are looming allegations and potential violations. Luke just turned in the best recruiting class in that conference He's got the best player in the state of Ohio coming to UC. He's got a three or going to be a junior quarterback who has started his first two seasons and is primed to have an explosive third season. He also got the uh, top um, quarterback. What was it? The top, top, not top quarterback. It was, ah, oh, fuck, I forget. Not the yet. Name. Not yet. Whatever. He hasn't signed yet, but uh, nope. what was his ranking? Uh, out of a, not, oh, sorry. Top quarterback who didn't commit to a Power 5 conference. So yeah. that was the phrasing I was looking for. Who like, said he still plans on going to UC. But yeah, but he won't like, sign. He yes, won't he hasn't sign. signed he hasn't yet. Sign. Yeah. He is Which from smart. Cincinnati. He smart. is from Cincinnati. Yeah. So he's got to see who the next coach is. Yeah. If Luke Fickle comes and he makes <clears> a perfect sense, 
perfect fit. He's an Ohio guy. He knows the Midwest. He knows how to recruit the Midwest. He, If you're going to coach in the state of Michigan, you have to be able to recruit the state of Ohio because Michigan is yep. not a fertile recruiting ground. You have to be able to recruit just the Midwest in general, which is a very good football region. And he knows the Big Ten like few others does. His mentor was Mark D'Antonio, so you have that connection there. Is, sorry. Yeah, I shouldn't say was. But the timing of this makes it tough. One, do you like it if you get Luke Fickle? And two, give me your realist expectations for getting him. (laughs) I'll let Tim Uh, start because he's been saying Luke Fickle since before I can remember. For me, it's Luke Fickle or bust. Yeah. Do I think it's likely that they get Luke Fickle? Um, Yes, actually I do. Um, And that's because I tuned into a serious interview on National Signing Day. And what I heard, I went into it expecting to be very disappointed. I expected to turn on that show and him to say, I'm coming back to Cincinnati. You don't need to worry about me leaving. Um, Shoot down all the rumors and everything. And what I heard was far from that. It was a little bit of nervous laughter mixed in here and there. And then when he when they broached the topic of him going to Michigan State, what he said was the typical coach speak for somebody who's either signed a contract or knows he's going there. Because what he said was, I have not talked to anybody at Michigan State besides Mark D'Antonio in three to four weeks. Yeah. Didn't I say his agent didn't talk to anyone at MSU? Right. <laughs> Which pretty much every coach that knows he's leaving says, I have not talked to anybody at that school because his agent did all the negotiating. Right. His representation. For me, uh, Luke Fickle is almost like a perfect storm because you're almost following the same path that D'Antonio took to get to MSU. Um, My reservations would be the same that you brought up earlier, Nate, and then also – this feeling that Luke Fickle may not want to face OSU on a consistent basis. Uh, He may be able to do something at UC and never have to, you know, go against a monster, a powerhouse like OSU, but every year in the big 10, you got to play them and you have to win. I don't believe that though. I don't believe that though. Uh, Did he, he, was he responsible for calling, um, OSU to get that game scheduled this year? No, he tried to get it canceled, according to reports. Oh. So here's what I'm thinking on that. And this could be total, because I don't know the man's inner thinking. But he was down at UC, available to be hired by Ohio State when Urban Meyer left. Yeah. They went with Brian Day. There could be a little resentment as far as like, well, look, I'm going to go to Michigan State. I'm going to play you, and I'm going to beat your brains in because I'm the better coach. I don't know well, if that's his mentality, but I I, hope, I don't see that's I not so. out of the realm of possibility. And, <laughs> and to your point, also a point that I just want to throw out there, you are spot on as far as he feels like a natural fit scheme-wise too because he, mm-hmm. he can change the offense, but he's a defensive guy, which is what Michigan State is known for. You guys build defense up, which is fair as a program. That's how you – that's how Alabama does it. That's how every, well, Alabama just recruits the best guy, but that's well, the philosophy. Defense until you got Georgia LSU running team like, offense against you. Exactly. And then you turn it over to an offensive coordinator and you have flexibility, which Luke Kiko has shown. Um, so I do feel like he's a natural fit from there. But go ahead, Tim. You had a point you wanted to make. <laughs> I lost about it. 
mentality aspect of it. I About have saying his mentality of wanting to beat Ohio State and how I thought that that's when you're the light oh, bulb popped up. Yeah, I mean, well, when you look at it for Luke Fickle, he's he's a Midwestern guy. Um, and name a better job in the Midwest outside of Michigan State where he can have the kind of success that he wants to have. I mean, Ooh. Notre Dame might be there, yeah. but when's that going to open up realistically? No, I think Ohio State, Ohio State, you have Ryan Day there. I mean, he's young. That's never going to open up for Luke Fickle. Yeah, no, I, think, I think this makes the most sense. I think the only person I don't think this makes sense for is Matt Campbell from Iowa State because he probably can get a better program. Than, mm. He's probably a better coach than MSU could re- and I, reasonably get. And I feel like he's not necessarily tied to the Midwest. I don't know. I just don't get that yeah. feeling with him like like I do Luke Fickle. Like Luke Fickle doesn't seem like he's going to – move outside of the Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, yeah. Kentucky border. Um, I, yeah, I, I think for Matt Campbell, like, you could see him at a Texas, maybe even USC, something like, you know, one of those schools mm-hmm. after he's done with Iowa State, which should probably be this year. And he's already getting paid a bunch, too. And yeah. his buyout's huge. Luke Fickle's buyout isn't that much. I was surprised. I, I thought it would be a decent amount. It's only like $2.5 million. I know everyone is on Pat Narduzzi, but the other one that's interesting to me is Tom Allen. I don't okay. know how I don't know how often you see a, a Big Ten coach go from one Big Ten team to another Big Ten team. I saw that on the odds, and I didn't understand it. Yeah, it's weird to hear his name because you would think that he has like he's turned Indiana around. I mean, they very have, much so. Yeah, they're so very very competitive football school under him. Yeah, it's one of the teams like you know that. Indiana is going to have two upsets a year, right? It, you just know it's going to happen. They're going to beat two teams they shouldn't beat. And, and they play teams close. They'll play teams yep. close. And let's be realistic, don't have the resources. I think, let's just call it what it is. If Mark D'Antonio had left in December after bowl season, Luke Fickle would be your head coach right now, I think. Oh, yeah. 100%. The, fact, the timing of this makes it a little trickier. Tom Allen, that would be interesting – I think it's not out of the realm of possibility because if I'm a head coach, I'm thinking, all right, I'm at Indiana. My resources are limit are much more limited right now, but I'm competing at a high level in one of the best football conferences in the country. Michigan State's open. The resources, it's a huge bump up in resources to go recruit, to go get better players, to be even more competitive in one of the best football conferences. And that sets me up if I stay there or not. Luke Fickle is definitely the... I'd be calling him every day, and I'd be saying, "As whatever you want, we'll give it to you. If you don't get him this year, I also don't hate the idea of just naming an interim coach, some dude on the staff, calling it a wash this year, and going to get him next year, or trying to get him next year. I thought of that at first, and now I am 100% on Luke Fickle or bust. <clears throat> I just don't like taking a year off. It's, it's, there's like, then there's zero recruiting. Yeah, because you know he's not going to be back. That's fair. And there's a, a full year cap. Here's a name that has not been said, but I thought about it today when I was thinking about it. Les Miles. No. Think oh, about oh, it. Oh no. <clears throat> no. God, no. No. We'll go back to 
That's just, no way that's just a different version we'll, of... We'll end up with Mark D'Antonio 2.0 for the that's next about, five that's years. That's a different version of Mark D'Antonio. No, God. Kansas? No, no. One that I didn't... Kansas one that I, didn't look terrible. I mean, they went 3-9, and nine, but it's Kansas. Didn't they didn't look terrible, and they went 3-9. and nine. Yeah, it's his first year. I know year. they pulled some backdoor covers for you, Nate, but come on. It's his first year in a school like, let's be honest, really shouldn't have a football program. And Les Miles, I don't know that should have a job, but that's neither here nor there. All right, we'll see. <laughs> Just saying. No. Watch out. <laughs> no, I don't. I'm not a fan of the Les Miles offer. Um, the one other one that uh, this is also biased on my part, too, is the Toledo head coach, Matt Candle. Just because, I mean, he's turned that Toledo program around. You've already seen success hiring out of the uh, out of the Mac schools. And Matt Campbell at Iowa State, Jason Candle, Jason Candle, whatever his name is, the head coach of Toledo is kind of following that Matt Campbell path. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to kind of jumping the gun on hiring a younger, um, less experienced, uh, innovative coach. That's fair. For any other thoughts on this before we, we move on here? I think we fully exhausted this one. Yeah, what's um, what's a uh, Kentucky's coach? Uh, Bob Mark Stoops. I did Stoops. hear that. I did hear yeah. he was rumored. That would be a with the Stoops awesome. family being a big. If you can't get, I don't know if he would necessarily leave because once again, the timing of this. If you can't get, if you can't get Fickle to leave, I think it's gonna be tough to get other kind of top end coaches to leave. Right. I agree because it's like, why is he not leaving? What does he know? Because he's so close to Dan Antonio. Did he tell him something? There's no real assurances there. But yeah, stoop down at Kentucky. Mark, he would be a big get, I think. What he yeah. has done down at Kentucky, I thought he should have won coach of the, the year this year. For I, simply, he had literally had a wide receiver playing quarterback at one point, reinvented the offense on the fly, and won six games. So the Stoops option only makes sense to me if you want to win this year. Like, if you want MSU, I feel like he would be able to do it with whatever he has. Give him the, you know, give yeah. him the 50 players that you got, and he'll he'll be able to get them up and play, uh, you know, get an eight-win, nine-win season maybe. Stoops makes more sense. Stoops would almost be a better hire than Fickle, but but I just yeah. don't see him coming. Yeah. If, um, Fickle, if you couldn't get Fickle. And Fickle's kind of got to be your number one guy and feel like your number one guy. Yeah, I agree. I agree with all that. We'll see what happens. The timing sucks, but we'll see what happens. Staying in the college football realm, though, National Signing Day, we've talked about it a bunch. I got a little bit on that. Top five teams that came out. Georgia number one again for the third straight year. Bama, Clemson, LSU, Ohio State in that order. Do you think it matters that Georgia has now had the third number one recruiting class, or will they blow it again just like they always do? Can they win? That's the (laughs) issue, right? They have the same head coach. Yep. I, at some point, I do think they're going to break through. They have to. But Georgia, Georgia at this point is kind of like the and not, Alabama not light. The, not that not the fan base because I don't know anything about Georgia's fan base. So don't please don't crucify me for this. But they're almost like the Michigan of the SEC. Like you have all these resources and all this talent, and you can't get over the hump. Yeah. Can't mm-hmm. do it. I mean, they're going. At some point, I do think they're going to break through, and this might be the year because when you have three back-to-back number one recruiting classes, there is still 
there's just talent there that will eventually break through. I think they might do it this year. We'll see. I, we'll have to see what Alabama looks like. We'll have to see what LSU looks like. But I don't – we'll see. Here's what. I, here's the bigger point I wanted to make because everybody is like, oh, if you bring money into it and you play players, you know, recruiting is going to be so unfair. Does that board, top five board, tra- change in any shape or fashion if you play players? Nothing no, changes no. in the recruiting no. land. That board is the exact same except for maybe Georgia's third on it instead of first. The, what? I, I think the only change would be is you may see, and this may war like them putting some different uh, barriers on it, but like you may see a Toledo or a, a some school, some small private school jump up there and you're like, how did that happen? And it's because they had some resources we didn't realize that they had. Yeah, I was going to say, or the other, the only downside, you'd have to cap it. Yeah. The only downside I could see is you're going to have mid-level schools, not mid-level, but like that, like that lower, just next tier down, like Michigan State, Minnesota, where they may overreach yeah. some not yep. so talented guys. And then you're really draining some budgets. But even then, I don't care. You make enough money, pay the players. But that argument of like, oh, if you pay the players, it's going to be an unfair advantage for the top schools. That board ain't changing. Top, yeah, yeah, it doesn't top, matter. Top schools it are, does not matter. That top five <laughs> yeah. not changing. <laughs> I've been saying this for a little while now. If you pay them, if you don't pay them, it doesn't matter. It's the, it, it, there's a talent gap. There's a resource gap in there already. It's not like it's going to get any wider. No. <laughs> you can only recruit so many players. Oh, they already do. It's so dumb. All right. Well, my only, oh, go my ahead. only hope is if we do decide to play players that pay players, that we pay them all. Yeah. I'm that's, down for that's it. That's my only hope. I don't I, – well, for, for me, though, I don't even want them to really get paid. I just want them to be able to accept money. Yeah. That's fair. Also, I'm cool with all of that. <laughs> just just be able to make money off your just be able to sign yeah, an like endorsement this. deal as your for your instagram followers or your twitter followers yeah. like that's that's yeah. it your youtube followers whatever it is i'm down for it all i'm good for it all we got some other things to talk about here before we wrap this up big day nba your detroit pistons we'll just start there they gave Ooh. away <laughs> They gave away the store for a bag of peanuts and some cotton candy. I mean, they gave it away for hope and opportunity. Is what they gave come on for. now. Let they it. gave a bag of peanuts away for another bag of peanuts. Is what they did. Yeah, and, and this trade, like if we're if we're true, so tanking in the NBA is is part of their strategy, right? And so if we're committed to tanking, getting Andre and that contract out of here is first steps. Agreed. I've never liked him anyways. I mean, I feel like there was still a bigger market for him somewhere. I feel oh, like there was a year ago. Yeah, yeah last year. This they, they year you could Clearly not. They would have accepted something bigger if there was a bigger market. Yeah. Or what surprises me bad. is that Andre didn't end, end up in Atlanta. That's what surprises me. Yeah. I would agree with that. That surprised me as well. You know what also surprised me? The Warriors dealing D'Angelo Russell after getting him literally last year for Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins. First mm-hmm. of all, that's an upgrade for the Timberwolves. D'Angelo yes. Russell and um, the Timberwolves are going to be a match made in heaven, I think. Andrew Wiggins and the, the Warriors, though? I mean, I know they get two picks, but I don't see how that works when when, when Steph comes back. 
Yeah, um, Wiggins, whoever his agent is, just got that was the best deal that he could have ever pull. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean for Wiggins, yeah, yeah for Wiggins. Yeah, I don't know what do you do. Like, do you play Wiggins and Curry at the same time and go small? Like, I... <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's a handful. But Russell to the Timberwolves, I like that. Mm-hmm. I also Marcus Morris to the Clippers. I mean. Mm-hmm. That's a solid pickup. That's a solid – he's not something that's going to jump off the page for you, but that adds a layer of depth to a yeah. team that will need that to make a run, and he's a solid guy to put out on the floor. Like, you don't yeah. have too many words with him out there. And he's going to bother LeBron. He's going to get right up into <laughs> LeBron. So that's, that's probably the bigger reason to be happy about that trade. Is like, okay, yes, Kawhi can guard LeBron. Yeah, we can throw some other people at LeBron, but we know that Morris is going is going to bother him. And he's got I, six fouls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be one of the best matchups to watch. I'm a Morris fan. Um, I enjoy him, but God, that is going to be so much fun to see him and LeBron go at it. And there was rumors that the Lakers wanted to get him purely to avoid having him on a yes. team like the Clippers. So I that's... saw that too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did see that. By the way, I got a I got a this league tweet from uh, Andre Drummond. Did any of you guys see this? No. So what he tweeted after he got traded, he said, if there's one thing I learned about the NBA, there's no friends or loyalty. I've given my heart and soul to the Pistons, and to have this happen with no heads up makes me realize even more that this is just a business. Andre, you've been in trade rumors for the past two years now. What do you mean this comes out of nowhere? What do you mean this comes out of nowhere? Just because Tom Gorris has been shutting down trades for you for the past three years doesn't mean that this came out of nowhere. They've yeah. been trying to trade you for two years, at yeah. least. I mean, he is spot on, though. It is a business. I mean, that's it just is. sports. <laughs> learn it learn it now, guys. It is just sports. It, like, the sports business, that's how it operates. Um, it is as cutthroat as a cutthroat gets. Here's a trade that was getting a little bit more noise than I think is necessarily deserving, but I like the team. E- well, not, I guess, yeah, it is trade. Um, Iguodala to the Heat. I don't know if that really does a lot for them outside of maybe give them a veteran voice in the locker room, but I and do sec- think, Oh, sorry. Go it ahead. secures the bag for Iguodala. That's what it does. Yes. <laughs> That's Very what much it does. so. But I do think the, and the reason I say that, that might be the bonus having a veteran outside of Jimmy Butler um, voice in the locker room is I do think the heat are a low key dark horse to compete in the mm-hmm. East playoffs this year. Like I do think they are a dark horse team that, is sort of going to fly under the radar and make some noise. I don't think they're going to win the East, but I think they're going to make some noise and they're going to be kind of that annoying pest for some some team in the playoffs because they are they're good right now. I yeah, I like the Dollar, but I haven't really watched much for the NBA. Yeah, I like the Eagle Dollar trade. I also like how uh, Andre Eagle Dollar handled the Twitter mishaps that was happening between <laughs> uh, <laughs> the young players. Uh, he handled that with maturity, much more maturity than I would have handled it with. Hundred <laughs> percent. But that is the NBA. The NBA is great at creating a storyline out of thin air, essentially, to gain back attention right as football season ends. Heck, even when football season's going on, they are great at getting storylines going, which helps fuel the NBA. Because let's be honest, 
the NBA night to night isn't the greatest thing to watch because you can tell that guys just aren't in it all the time, which is yeah. fair. It's long as hell. I wouldn't be with like that story I read a couple months ago about like just the sleep cycle of these players because they're on flight so much trying to get to city to city. I understand it. But when you add these storylines, it does make it a little bit more interesting until playoff time comes. <laughs> I also like how uh, John Morant was like, I'm still a fan of these players. And yes, they're NBA champions, but that doesn't mean I can't send these tweets out either. <laughs> Mr. Rookie of the Year, stand up and let your voice be heard. <laughs> yeah. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Uh, any other notes on the uh, Woj Bombs <laughs> NBA trade deadline coming up today or happened yeah. yesterday, I should say? I don't really have uh, much else outside of that. I don't think so. I mean, it, talk to me when playoffs happen. Yep, that's when we'll get back into it. Um, one trade note that I'll touch on briefly because it's not baseball season, so I don't truly care. The Mookie Betts trade. I hate the Red Sox ownership right now. This makes zero sense to me. I don't know if you guys have a lot of thoughts on it, but this is why I hate it. I understand in baseball, baseball contract, long-term baseball contracts, 10-year baseball contracts, 400 million plus dollars which is what he was apparently asking for don't generally work out you said 400 million yeah he had 420 million over 10 years i think there are uh, businesses who don't get to 400 million <laughs> <laughs> correct um but here's the problem with that one it's here's the problem with not wanting to pay him that i have i understand if he wasn't if he was some not top of the line baseball player like shooting for the stars if there wasn't a generational talent rotting away in anaheim and mike trout rookie yeah. bets would be the best player in the mlb and what is the point of trading for prospects if you can't keep a guy who you brought through your farm system you brought up through your team you helped build him and he helped build you he won a championship with you if you're not going to keep what's the point this is a guy who statistically is murdering the sport of baseball. He is the probably the statistically best baseball player Boston has had. It comes a hundred years in a day to the date we traded Babe Ruth for a very similar reason. Literally January 4th, 1920, they traded Babe Ruth. January 5th, 2020, we traded Mookie Betts. Now, being held up due to some health concerns with a prospect from the Twins. But it's like, why... The Red Sox also bleed their fan base dry. Going to a game is so expensive. And all we ask in return is to be competitive and compete for championships. And you're not willing to pay the best baseball player right now in the sport outside of Mike Trout, who is a generational talent. It just feels dumb to me. Like, what's the point of trading for prospects? If they turn out to be the best baseball player, you're not going to pay them. I think the Red Sox would be like, hey, we've won championships. We, we will continue to win championships. This is just one player. I know. It's just, ah, oh, it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's so frustrating. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, remember, I remember the last time this happened. Last time the, the Red Sox hit the reset button, it created a little bet. Yeah. <laughs> that paid out. <laughs> paid out very nicely for me. And don't get me wrong, there are still good players on this roster it's still a competitive roster it's mm-hmm. just like the idea of like oh we're gonna go get because we're not really getting much back for him we're, from the dodgers who are a team that are very desperate in a championship they are boomer boss like you there's they a bigger market yeah there's a bigger market for also true <laughs> there's a bigger market for mookie it doesn't feel like we're getting much back we're getting back prospects and it's like that's the theory just doesn't work out if they end up being the best at their position we're just going to trade him because we don't want to pay a luxury tax, which we've been paying forever. 
And it's not like we're the Orioles or some small market team. It's the Boston Red Sox. They have the money. Pay them. Yeah. Uh, speaking on a cheating note, do we think the Houston Astros are going to do, any, do anything different this year? No. Probably not. No, they're not. They're going to continue to cheat, aren't they? It's baseball. Baseball has had a love affair with cheating since <laughs> literally its inception. But I, yeah. Pete Rose has got to the players didn't get penalized at all for that cheating scandal. Why is he still getting penalized? I mean, he's – I'm not going to get sued for what I'm going to say, so I'm going to hold it myself. But he's yeah. not the the nicest human being, <laughs> which doesn't help his his uh, favor there. But he's got and a point. I guess there's a difference when, when we're talking about the integrity of baseball, which is laughable because, like you said, they, the history of cheating – and baseball and cheating are synonymous. But I guess it's different when you were betting on a game versus trying to get an edge in the game. You know what I'm saying? That's fair, but he was also one of the greatest hitters of all time. <laughs> so it's like it's not like he was throwing games. He still killed yeah. it. Um, all right, that's all I have on baseball because I don't want to spend too much on a sport that's not actually going on. <laughs> Thank quick you. College, <laughs> quick college basketball update before we wrap this up. About a bing, about a boom. Xavier is coming for the throne. We are the hottest team in America. Well, maybe not the hottest team, but we are absolutely killing it. We're starting off with our Xavier Musketeers. Played an awesome game against Seton Hall on Saturday. Played 95% of an office awesome game against DePaul. We got Providence on Saturday at 8 p.m. Providence is a smoking hot team. They beat Butler. They barely mm-hmm. lost to Villanova, and they just crushed Creighton. The Big East is killing it this year, but our Xavier Musketeers, Tim, Playing phenomenal basketball. My man Jones is the most dominant player in the country right now down low. That is right. Most dominant player in the country. He has 15 double-doubles. I predicted it at the beginning of the season. I texted you. I said this man is going to average a double-double this season. He is doing exactly that. I love Xavier right now. I love them too. It's awesome. They found that spark that they had at the beginning of the season that just kind of went away for like a month for no reason. And now it's back. They're back to being as John Rothstein tweets out. Xavier, hell in a cell. Hell in a cell. <laughs> they got to work on. They got to work on uh, getting through the press though, because they all. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> was brutal. Well, it, so I also saw somebody's tweet too. Somebody else tweeted this, not me. I did not come up with this, but they said the end of the Xavier game was like was like playing NBA Live '95 when you turn off all the fouls, because that's what it looked like. They were getting yeah. mugged out there too. It was. Yeah. That wasn't the best. But that's the other thing is Xavier last year that we I think we went what eight and three down the stretch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like they just turned it on too late. They seem to be doing that again this year. We'll see if they can play that consistent level of basketball. But here's the benefit to a team like Xavier or somebody in the bottom of the Big East right now. The Big East is so loaded that the back end of our schedule is so tough that as long as we get it, like if we beat Providence this weekend and then we steal either um we still, what, have Butler and Villanova. We steal one of those games. We're looking pretty pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Nova's at home, too, wins. still. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of quad one wins left for us. I mean, any team in the Big East. I mean, a team that's bad in the Big East could go on a run. And Yep. Like, there's – there's a, we just can't get embarrassed by some bottom feeder team, which we don't really play towards the end of the, the back end of the schedule. Mm-mm. And we can't get embarrassed, like, in the first – game of the tournament but outside of that we're looking good we're staying gritty and leaving the pretty to our females so mm-hmm. let's go xavier um i like that nate that was good yeah it's a new new little saying we're gonna try out here um big 10 update 
I mean, uh, Michigan State I, is no longer king of the Big Ten. <laughs> Real quick, talk about how Purdue just beat the dicks off fucking yeah, Iowa. Oh my goodness, <laughs> just my, beat them like they stole something. Oh my, I looked up and saw that box score. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Who is Purdue? Because they they did that to Iowa, they did that to Michigan State, and mm-hmm. I, they're they're not ranked right now, are they? No, because they can only play at home. <laughs> so what am I missing? Else. They can't play anywhere else. You get them in another. So it it is really going to come down to Purdue's neutral site, like how well. And I can't remember because it was so long ago. Like how well did they do in their neutral site games? I have no idea. I don't yeah, know. They, it feels like they came out of nowhere to start kicking the shit out of people, but then they just kind of disappear again. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what happened because they go on the road game stretch and get beat by 10 points everywhere they go. <laughs> Very true. Um, Michigan State, what's going on there, boys? <laughs> not good. Not good. Um, not good. It's not good. This is what – so I have complained about this since I've watched started watching Michigan State basketball, which was in 2009. Here's the thing. Izzo does a bad job of telling his teams that when teams are coming to play you, they are going to give you their best shot. Yeah. They, no that. one, maybe Cassius understands that. No one else on that team, and rightfully so, some of them are, a lot of them are freshmen or sophomores. But you're playing this Penn State team, this scrappy Penn State, Penn State team, this Penn State team who looks identical to Michigan State, except they don't have the same level of talent. You know they're coming in there to prove something, and they proved it that they were better than Michigan State on Michigan State's floor, and it's because of a lot of lapse in judgment. Also, these damn turnovers. I, you can't win games with twenty turnovers. Yeah, you can't. Winning a lot of basketball. We know that damn well over here. <laughs> like watching the same team some nights. Yeah. Except we don't have Cassius on at Xavier. Yeah, and I love Cassius to death, but goodness. Like we, I've known this for years. Like you can put the team on Cash's back, but he needs one other person to score, and that's what mm-hmm. he doesn't have. He has yeah. nothing right now. Tom's got to get Tom's got to get used to riding with the highs and lows of Rocket Watts if he wants to take this team to new heights this year. Yep. If he doesn't get used to that, if he wants to pull him after a stupid mistake, then he's got yeah. he's got an early exit and a a rough remainder remainder of the season. Yeah, even more with Jaron Jackson because he will pull Jaron Jackson, and I'm like, no, leave him in. Leave mm-hmm. him. I understand that he did something dumb, but please leave him in. Yep. Yep. Because yeah. he's going to be because he he's a he's a walking bucket. I mean, he's he's waiting to score. Rocket yeah. is. If you get the ball in his hands, he's waiting to score. You could even you could even move him, put him in some more ISO situations, run Cassius a little bit off the ball here and there, get an open three. I mean, that's where you need to be right now. And then also bring the Aaron thing- Henry off the bench because because he can attack that. If he doesn't have to worry about getting pulled off, off the court, because um, defense isn't really their thing that they're worried about right now. It's finding another attacker. And I, he, he pulls Rocket Watts off into when Rocket will uh, – do an ISO and then step back and hit a three, he'll pull him. And I'm like, you're killing his momentum. Just leave him. Just let I know him. That's be. not Izzo's ball, but come on, leave him. Rocket Watts, though, on the other hand, has to learn how to keep his hands up. He gets those ticky tack fouls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about also Vanderbilt just upsetting LSU? LSU hasn't lost in the SEC, I believe. Didn't see that coming. 
basketball, college basketball has continued to be the wildest ride, I think, that I can remember yeah. in a college basketball season. Oh, yeah. Chaos. It is, chaos. yes. Absolute chaos, including this game right now. Yeah. We also can't talk about the Big Ten just stepping back without talking about the resurgence of Illinois. Like mm, it is wild. <sighs> Illinois, Five. Rutgers. What? Yes. <laughs> Killing. Maryland. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And these are all. So what's scary about this is these are all teams that MSU has to play again. So, <laughs> and it'll be, you know, what it'll be. In true fashion, we'll win four or five of those games when we shouldn't have, and mm-hmm. we look, we just drop these games that we should have won because that's just MSU. Yeah, that's what they do. It'll be interesting coming down the fresh. We got one of the best rivalries in college basketball going this week. I have one quick point on it. UNC versus Duke. First of all, yes. those jerseys, they look like something <laughs> you'd buy out of a rundown gas station on Tobacco Road. Like, it is ugly. Like, knockoff from China jerseys. I don't know yeah. what is going on there. <laughs> they look like Adidas made them. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired at Adidas. Adidas? Oh, I don't oh, yeah, this, Reebok. Start Reebok. I don't know what this line's going to end up being, but if it's more than, I don't know, 4-6, I think I'm taking UNC, even though they didn't look great with the return of Cole Anthony, but Duke hasn't looked very good. How do we feel going into this game right now? I think I feel like Duke should handle UNC. I know they're going – Duke is, is very much in the same place that MSU is right now with the, like – why are you going into a law right here in the season? This makes no sense to go into a law right here, but of course. But they, if nothing else, Coach K should just be able to run players at UNC. Because yeah. UNC has a very thin bench, if any bench at all. Super thin, but... They don't even have five players on that team. <laughs> right. Bringing back Cole Anthony. It's oh, so they one. That's the difference maker, though. <laughs> it's a rivalry that- game. That's the difference maker in most in, – in the rest of their – not even the rest of their conference. A the lot of their conference. But I, yeah, but not against Duke. I don't know. If they, I still think Coach K just has the players to run at him. Yeah, we'll see. Duke has had some real mental lapses on the basketball court this year where it's just like, what is going on? Um, so we'll see. It'll be interesting. That's all I kind of got. You guys got any final thoughts before we wrap this up? No. No. Uh, I don't think so. Give me Maybe Luke we'll Fickle. wake up on Monday with uh, Luke Fickle as head coach. We'll see. Bring me I, Luke Fickle. That's the win-win for you guys, you Michigan State fans out there. Bring me Luke Fickle. We shall see. Well, that'll do it for us this time. As always, peace. Peace. See ya.